0: Don't ask me to talk.
1: Connection through conversation. Join self-described conversationalist Stacy Heller as she talks with guests about topics and ideas from the ridiculous to the sublime on Don't Ask Me To Talk. Now, here's your host, Stacy Heller.
0: It me, Stacy Heller. Welcome to the show, Don't Ask Me To Talk. It is... A gray day. It's fine. It's totally fine. I'm joined today, speaking of weather, by Deanna Poneman. Um, If she were a weather pattern, I think she'd be a hurricane. Because she's all swirly energy, but then there's like the eye of the storm. She's totally glaring at me right now. No,
2: I agree. I agree. (laughs) I was thinking more tornado, but I'll take hurricane.
0: Yeah.
2: I I like hurricane. They're bigger.
0: (laughs) They They can do a lot of damage. So they need to be respected. As can I. (laughs) Exactly. Also joined today by Jason. (laughs) I feel like you don't have, like, you have, like, you're a single moniker person because I just, all I can hear is Jason. (laughs) Jason?
2: (laughs) Just Jason. That's all it needs to be explained. Exactly.
0: Or St. Jason. Well, (laughs) that is true. Uh, If you cannot listen to the show live every week, then you can actually text D-A-M-T-T to... 55678 and then you can learn how to find the podcast version of the show you're also welcome to call in to 425-373-5527 or you can find me via my website which is stacyconnects.com we can connect want to be a guest got something to talk about you have an idea to share are you somebody that can make one of my brilliant inventions happen the rain barrels (laughs) I was listening to that this morning, your rain barrel idea. Uh, I mean, right now with wildfires.
2: I completely don't understand it, but I don't know why it wouldn't work. Thank you.
0: That's a ringing endorsement. (laughs) Considering in subsequent episodes, I've gotten a lot of flack for it. (laughs) Well, I am a doctor after all. That's true. So I know what I'm talking about.
1: And I stayed at a Holiday Inn Express.
0: (laughs) So that makes you... That makes you an expert. There you go. Okay. So the and ramble, and I have a few. Launched Will today. <laughs> he's moved to California. I cried. Buckets. Uh, it was weird. He went through all of his stuff in his room, and he's like, okay, well, you know, this stuff you can mail to me for my apartment, or you can bring it down when you come in like a week and a half, by the way. Um, However, it's so weird like fully launching another kid out of the nest. So I gave him, I had in my drawer a cross pen that had, which this is going to mean nothing to really anyone except for my family right now. Um, it had the Great Bear Water Insignia on it, which is the company that his family started in 1888. And um, I, I, it must have been in dad's drawer when he passed away. I'm sorry, mom. When he died, she hates when people say "passed away." She's like, "They died." <laughs> so, um, anyway, I gave it to Will so that he can go off into the world and make his mark. It makes me feel clumped. Uh, speaking of mom, she and at least well two thirds of the glop were in the Penswood Olympics this week. That's right, folks. My mom is an elite athlete. Yep. So say the 23andMe DNA. My mother and I both have the genes of an elite, elite athlete. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so she and Lee both participated in the Olympics. Mom rode the bike. She got a t shirt for participation. She got a red, white, and blue lay. She wore her workout flats and left all of her jewelry on.
1: <laughs> you know it's a heavy workout when you can do it in your jewelry. <laughs>
0: right? that exactly. what was the sport? Uh, biking on the stationary bike. <laughs> Whatever. I'm actually kidding aside. I'm very proud of mom for two reasons. One, participating. She's not generally like a participator in these kinds of things. And then two, obviously, staying fit. That's huge. So way to go, Mom. Way to be my Olympian. And uh, congratulations to Lee, too. And hello to Diane. So um, berry picking is my jam. Went again. (laughs) I know, that was funny, right? Berry
1: picking becomes your jam as well.
0: It does. I now have done blueberry and raspberry. And because I can't help but meet people... When I went to the Berry place the first time, I was like, Arnold. Uh, For anybody in Oroville that's listening, it's the Oroville you pick. And Arnold is, I think, a town legend. He's new to me. And he is adorable. I think he's widowed. I don't think my mom would be into him. But I've thought about it. Um, I don't think it would be a fruitful relationship.
1: Wah, wah, wah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So he is from Holland, and there was just something about him, and I, of course, started to chat with him the first time that we went berry picking, and I found out about how he got an Impala, and he drove across the country, and how he had found Oroville and thought it was great, and then in the 90s, he bought land and this whole thing. Well, the second time I went berry picking, I was like, "Methinks there's a story here, and I want to know more. And he... Offhandedly said, Oh, you mean like the time that my family had soldiers hiding in our hay barn? And I was like, Exactly that. So his birthday was the Saturday that we were leaving Veranda Beach. So last week. So I gave him a birthday card and my business card <laughs> and said, I'm coming back with recording equipment that I want to know his story. Wow. So can we go back to the you making jam for a second? Yes. Will
2: you make me some raspberry jam without sugar in it? Or coconut sugar.
0: Or uh, how about I get you raspberries and you figure that out?
2: No, I want the jam from you from with love. Hmm. Oh, she's,
0: like, she's like, I do have sugar. I don't have love. <laughs> we'll talk. All right. She'll now, do it. This, this is the thing that I may eat up most of our showtime on because I have things to say now. This is my rant. Okay. So this past weekend, I had the opportunity to actually get dressed and go to an event, an event that had been postponed a couple of times because of COVID. And so it, it was a celebration and a, a coming out for obviously the people throwing the event and also for anybody that's going, you know, like, wow, there's people and I'm dressed up and the whole thing. So I tried to find the right outfit seven o'clock at night it's a little bit more formal and so thought okay i'm gonna find the perfect dress tried a bunch of different ones also decided that i'm not gonna go with a plain old boring like sheath dress no siree i'm stepping outside of my comfort zone that's right i listened to wisdom from the wardrobe on mondays here on kknw from <laughs> 12 to twelve thirty. <1230.
1: laughs> very nicely done
0: thank you and um so I just thought, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have some fun. Found this really cool black tuxedo dress. Now, like many others, except for Jason, I have put on weight during COVID. So I am, I'm an inverted triangle. I'm a little heavier on top. Whatever. doesn't matter. But the tuxedo dress was going to show off my legs. Bam. And then... Some other things, too, but not too much. So really struggled with this. Annie helped me out. She came over. She was helping me figure out, like, what bra do I wear? What shoes do I wear? Jewelry. To to jewelry or not to jewelry. The whole thing. This was a big deal. Pete didn't come with me, so I needed support. Came up with this outfit. I'm feeling a little nervous because I felt like I was making a debut. (laughs) but I was going to do it. And I walked down. Well, first I was outside and I got there and I saw Bruce who was actually at the event and he gave me an encouraging word and he said, Oh, you look beautiful. Pookie, the whole thing. Awesome. Yeah. That's his nickname for me. So then I'm walking down the hall, heading towards this event. And this, I don't want to call him a gentleman, but this man said, Well, now I'm gonna have something to look at all night. Wow! Right? So I was like, it was like my confidence had been Tanya hardinged. Like somebody took a bat to the back of my knees, and it like buckled. And so for the first like half of the night, I was clutching my clutch. Wait, this ruined your self-confidence. Yes, he hit on you. Okay, so I'm glad you said that because (laughs) here's the situation that I'm dealing with. In my head, I'm hearing the old narrative of my mother saying, you know, you shouldn't dress a certain way if you don't want to get attention. Mm -hmm. And me growing up where if somebody hit on me, I was like so excited. I was like, oh, my gosh, somebody thinks I'm attractive. Yay. And so I have that narrative that are sort of like dated in some ways, right? Then I have the narrative of our daughters in my head that are like, You dress for you. If this makes you feel good, you don't, you know, it's not your deal to worry about what somebody else thinks and don't listen to what men think about you and all these kinds of things. Or do when they're saying, now I've got something to look at. Well, so here's the conflict that I had. Call me old school. Well, or desperate. (laughs) 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 I mean, <laughs> I'm like
2: I don't care who it is <laughs> see
0: I was that or way <laughs> what the
2: situation?
0: just look at me and compliment me right now if he had said this is going to sound like I'm like splitting hairs here if he had turned to me and he had said well now I have something to look at all night no he said it to like his group in passing like like I was like a sideshow or something it was an, wasn't meant for me to hear, mm-hmm. but he also didn't, like, whisper it. So it was just one of those comments that I agree if he had said, well, now I have something to look at tonight, I would have been like, well, thank you. The way he said it, though, I'm like, do you kiss your wife with that mouth? <laughs> <laughs> and like I said, it made me feel super self-conscious and it ruined then like me Mm. at this event and on top of that by the way folks if you used to wear heels pre-covid and you haven't been out in a while it's rough don't wear those heels
2: it's rough you
0: need starter heels (laughs) because i literally made will drive to the venue to bring me more comfortable shoes i was at a wedding
2: (laughs) last weekend i was in the wedding and so i had two days rehearsal rehearsal dinner and then like And so I was in two different pairs of heels, both four inches. I literally, I don't even wear shoes anymore, much less heels. And I, it was, it was rough.
0: It's rough. So, you know, so as it is, I was teetering in and like walking very carefully. And I just, I don't know. So it was very upsetting. And then, of course, you know, I came home and I told Pete about it. And I'm sure he's definitely more conservative. And I think he had like the... Well, I mean, look at your dress. (laughs) And, you know, I told Annie about it. And Annie also made a great point that if you are somebody who is more well-endowed, you like if I put on that dress and somebody else who is not put on that dress, it would not seem as scandalous because they wouldn't fill up the dress in the same way. Story of my life, man. And it's brutal. So, man. So mad I could spit. <laughs> Messed up your debut. My debut. Day
1: boob. Day boob.
0: <laughs> it did. I just. It was a bummer. So that brings me to my stasism. I used to tell the girls, especially, that you have to know the difference between a dumb boy and harassment. Mm. And it, that was the result of Annie being in middle school and she took a cooking class and some boy walked up behind her one day and said, you know, if you don't move, I'm gonna fill in the blank. And Annie came home from school that day, and she told me that story. And of course, this is, you know, she's my oldest. It's the first time I've heard something like this. And the knee-jerk reaction is to be like, what's his name? I'm calling his mother. I'm calling the principal. I'm calling the world. That's terrible. Something came over me, and instead I said, "Well, what did you do? (laughs) And she said, I stepped aside. (laughs) I had no interest in that. And I was like, oh, well, did it bother you? And she said, no, he was being a dumb boy. And so I then didn't make a big deal out of it then. And then I made sure to circle back later to say, you know, do you feel like you know the difference between a dumb boy and harassment? And so we had a conversation about that. And... It's it's a fascinating thing being a woman with these kinds of things because then, for instance, in elementary school, some boy made uh, some comments about Grace when they were in, like, fifth grade and um, apparently about the recreational activities that they were engaged in and she wasn't <laughs> in the room and she came back and, like, heard that she and this person were he and and she-in and on the high holy something. <laughs> <laughs> and so she was upset about that and she came home and she said you know I came back into the classroom and this is like what he's saying and it's obviously wildly inappropriate and whatever she did not say wildly inappropriate by the way <laughs> anyway
2: Grace I Grace ca- would though in fifth grade that would be like her vernacular actually <laughs> she, <laughs> she probably did she say probably wildly did
0: <laughs> and I was like oh my gosh <laughs> I can't believe he said that and she was like mother it was wildly inappropriate <laughs> So I contacted the teacher, and, like, I'm not the mom that contacts the teacher. However, I just said, just so you know, this is how Grace's day went. This is what happened. So just be aware. Well, the next thing you know is the next day, Grace is called into the principal's office, as is this, this young man. And, you know, the next thing she knows is this boy's been suspended for two weeks. And he has to write a letter of, of apology to her and to us, and it's on his record that he's done this, and the kid's in, like, fifth grade. Wow. So my point in all of these things, it's like, this man, he is responsible for knocking down my confidence, and it is definitely a form of harassment, and he's just a dumb boy. And I'm not saying that it's okay by any stretch, because goodness knows I have other stories that I can tell um and everybody's line is personal. Men are just present company excluded, of course. Of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> you know, just know what your comfort level is. So anyway, on that note, let's take a quick break. I told you it was gonna be long. You're listening to Don't Ask Me to Talk, and so I am. We'll be right back. Don't ask me to talk. <laughs>
1: But what happens when you don't know how to have all that or where to start? Well, join me every week to learn more about how, because I am just like you. So join me each week here on KKNW for this show is all about you. A show about how you and me become we and what that means for all of us. And be sure to visit my website, wordsbyjdk.com.
0: When giving presentations, do you feel nervous, worry you won't get your message across, or hold your listeners' attention? Storytelling is an essential business skill most people don't learn. Telling your story clearly, concisely, and with real connection is key because people respond to and learn from stories more than charts or spreadsheets. Find and finesse your story so you can share it effectively with executive storytelling coach Melissa Reeves of Story Fruition. Melissa offers individual coaching, workshops, and webinars that teach the ABCs of Tell Me More, Please. Go to www.storyfruition.com. Hi, this is Lisa Downs, host of Reigniting You, the show that takes a positive, forward-looking approach to -to mid-to-late career transitions for Gen Xers and Boomers every Wednesday afternoon at 3 o'clock Pacific. Whether you're looking to stay in the traditional workforce, do your own thing, or retire or semi-retire, Reigniting You is your source for career transition advice, inspiration, and insight for what's next in your career and life. Join me Wednesdays at 3 o'clock to get re-energized, recharged, and reignited.
1: Com. Going against the grain has never been this much fun. Alternative Talk 1150.
0: Don't ask me to talk. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Stacey Heller. I am joined today in studio by Dr. Deanna Poneman. She is a chiropractor, a network chiropractor. And of course, we are also joined by Jason. St. Jason. St. Jason. My mother loves herself some saints. All right. I Actually, when I call her after the show, she'll probably be like, how old is he? Is he tall? Is he single? <laughs> yes, yes, and
2: old enough. Okay. There you go. <laughs> I'll
0: tell you more later, Mom. <laughs> oh, do you dr- yeah, and you drive a motorcycle. I and a you bit. could fly a plane. I can, yes. This might work. He can
2: do, like, <laughs> pretty much anything. All right. Let's talk about you, though. Let's talk. That was my favorite topic. Actually, I want to say one thing about you before. Okay, guys, I saw the dress that was talked about earlier, and she looks like a freaking fox in it. I just saw the picture. So that guy
0: did have something to look at all night, and he was lucky to have it. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And we talked during the break about the whole narratives thing because I, <laughs> I joked with Eric that I look like if – if Robert Palmer had redone the video of like she's simply irresistible with the women in like the slicked back hair and the tuxedo dresses, but he had used plus size models instead <laughs> of the regular ones.
1: I'm too young, so I don't know the reference. Yeah,
0: I'll show you. I'll show you the reference later. Anyway, really a child. Okay, on and that. And addicted
1: to love. Yes. Both, both videos featured the same kind of motif. Yes, with the they ladies did. With the pancake makeup.
0: Yep. It was. I'll show you later. I look forward to it. So speaking of your childhood, <laughs> yes, um, you were a child once,
2: and <laughs> I think I still am. But yeah. people keep trying to tell me that I'm not, which I think is rude.
0: Well, I mean, like, like people like you, well, right, because you're not 18 anymore. <laughs> uh huh. So you had a more unconventional upbringing than most. Yeah, I did.
2: Um, well, so I was born, my parents were transcendental meditation teachers. They were hippies that started following Maharishi in the 60s and 70s. And I was born in Fairfield, Iowa, um, which is this small town in southeast Iowa that the Maharishi like, found organi- like the Maharishi people, the TMers, um, kind of inhabited in this in this late 70s and now the maharishis so are are they
0: the the flower people
2: no they're okay so like you know like the Beatles, like all their their spiritual stuff leaders Mm -hmm. that maharishi was that he was like the big guy in the 70s okay okay he was yeah like my sweet lord or nowhere man or fool on the hill i think was about he that's maharishi he was the he was the big saint at the time um, and so there's still the – the um, t- so trans- transcendental meditation was the type of, of meditation that he taught. And it's still a very, very popular form of meditation. So there's still actually this community in Iowa. So I was born there. Um, so it was this small town, a lot of meditators. Um, there were, like, two golden domes in town that they would people would go twice a day to meditate, the men and the women in the two separate domes. It was just a really weird place because it was, like, everything you would imagine a small town in Iowa to be, like – Trailer <laughs> parks and whatever. Yeah, just small town. And then there was these, there's in the townies, and then there were the, the roos, the meditators. So it was like, again, there's all this Vedic architecture and vegetarian restaurants and, and don't golden don't. It was just a very interesting. There was a dairy farm. It was a co op where called Radiance Dairy. It's, I don't drink milk, but it's the best milk ever because all of the cows are all, they play Indian yagyas. For them, twenty four hours a day, and they're just like. I assume that that's music. It's yeah, Indian chants? chanting. Yeah, okay. I mean, just this like, I mean, it seems like Vermont. It's like <laughs> kind of, but not as pretty, and it's it's in the middle. Yeah, it's like Midwest. So what Vermont. brought what brought them there? There was a college campus there okay. that, that, that like had closed, and they like bought the. So Maharishi. No, and, I mean your parents. Oh, what brought my parents there? Um, they're meditators, and that's where you went. They went. That's where they all congregated.
0: All right. So and, were you
2: born in a field? No, I was born at Jefferson County Hospital. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but my, my mom tried to have a home birth. That's a whole other story. Um, But anyway, yeah, so I was born there. That's how my life started out. We moved to Chicago when I was four, and, like, growing up, I we had all of the saints of the day stay at our house when they would come to Chicago. We would have of this sp- religion. It's not a religion. It's more of a spiritual Practice, but okay. yeah. So, well, we're we're Jewish, but we call growing up we called ourselves Hindu's because we had so much more Eastern influence in our lives. Clever, I know. Very clever. There was some comedian that said it like five years ago, but know that if you ever hear that, we coined the Ponemans coined the term Hindu in like 1992. So unless you hear it before that, we started it. <laughs> Trademark, okay. Trademark.
0: All right. So, um, so all like the sort of religious or spiritual leaders would stay with you. Yeah,
2: Like if anyone knows who Sri Sri Ravi Shankar is, he's like the biggest saint in India right now. He used to stay at my house um, when we used to watch I Love Lucy together. Um, (laughs) I mean, no one's going to know any of these saints. But yeah, we used to we were just in like suburban Chicago, just in like the nice part of of Evanston right by the lake um, and like normal suburban neighbors. Um, and then we'd have these like RVs filled with like Indian saints and their entourages like parked in front of our houses in the summer. We'd have fire ceremonies in our backyard. So we were obviously the favorites in the in the <laughs> neighborhood. Everyone loved that. Um, Interesting. So, yeah. So that was my my childhood.
0: Um, and so wait, I want to ask. I'm going to do deep dives here. Deep dives. How did that impact then? So when you're growing up in that environment, even though you have a brother Mm -hmm. and, you know, let's like kidding aside, you're in the neighborhood and, you know, you've got all of these things that I'm sure your neighbors thought were odd. How did that impact then like your friends in your neighborhood and you're growing up?
2: Well, so it's interesting because we're talking about our internal dialogue and our story and then like the perception of what everyone else thinks. And my internal dialogue was two things. I really – there's a part of me that, like, really craved, like, being normal. Mm -hmm. Like, because, like, we so weren't. But I also really loved being not normal. Right. And I don't know that I ever really thought that other people were judging. Like, all my friends, they'd come over when the summers when these people were there, and they'd get, like, super into it, right? They'd get their own Indian name. They'd want to – so it was obviously, like, a fun – Thing, but it was also, right. like, inherently, like, I just knew that it was odd, like you said. And so there was just – there was some part of my psyche that, like, internalized the oddity and, like, really wanted – like, wanted to be normal, quote-unquote normal. That's not really a thing. And so, like, yeah, that was – that I, that I took that into, like, my high school years and then my early 20s. And that was, like, I tried really hard to, like – had this normal, like I loved the idea of normal, which again, isn't actually a thing. And also I am so not normal family. Like my being is not quote unquote normal. My being has always been unconventional, even within my family. I'm the weird one. <laughs> so, um, so it was just, so maybe I wasn't even fighting the upbringing. I was maybe like fighting myself. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause I just like wanted to fit into a certain box that other people could fit into And I'm too big for that box. I've always been too big for that box. And so when you try to fit yourself into something that isn't you, it like energetically you can't, it's confining. And so you have to, instead of just like not being in the box, Mm -hmm. you have to like break out of the box. And it's a kind of a self-destructive experience because, yeah, because it's just, it's like you're fighting yourself.
0: Well, and it seems like, it's the exterior that most kids going through teens and into twenties, it's like how you look feels like I need to look like everybody else. You know, like I don't feel like I'm going to be like everyone else because of these narratives that we're talking about. Right. You know, I'm not this enough. I'm not that enough. I'm, you know, my hair is red. I wear glasses might be speaking for somebody (laughs) specific. That's me. Um, you know, things like that. So it's kind of like if you can't change the inside, then at least you can conform on the outside.
2: Very true. Well, so then the other thing about me growing up is that I was very tall, like I'm normal sized now, but I stopped growing in like fifth grade. So I was like five, four, five, five in fifth grade. I was like developed early, like third grade. I was very all, I look like if you see pictures of me in like fifth grade, I was like my all my friends. I looked like I was their like awkward, unattractive babysitter. <laughs>
0: okay, and that's that's again a bad narrative. And I would have I'll show with, you pictures. I would have gone with cousin, but okay, no, it
2: looked like it was it it's it, it's weird. and so i so I never felt like I like looked normal because like, I never had like an experience of like looking or feeling like a little girl. Like I don't remember that. I just always remember being very awkward feeling like I was like towering over everyone, very inherently, like understanding that I'm like bigger than everyone and that these were little girls, and they're cute. and I like wasn't. And so between that and I guess the my unconventional upbringing and my unconventional way of being, it was like I felt very like other. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. So then, I mean, people started catching up to me in like eighth grade and I realized that how to use my poops for good and not evil. <laughs> and
0: Interesting. and that or maybe for evil
2: and not good it depends on how you want to look at it and so I did like a complete and so that was I started to really my physical my a lot of my self-worth was really wrapped up in my physical appearance which led to eating disorders and it led to a lot of I mean it led me to go into to study fashion in, in undergrad which was fun but obviously did not end up that down that path but it was very and even to this day a lot of my I'm more preoccupied with my Body and my physical appearance, and I'd like to be because I know that that doesn't define me at all. But you know those things that are ingrained in you from from such a young age, it's hard to, to shake them. You got to do a lot of work, and I do do the work. But you know, we're human,
0: right? Okay, so that's that's kind of tough. Um, so you pursued fashion, mm-hmm. and and then you pivoted. I did pivot.
2: What caused you to pivot? Okay, so um, the pivot story is, yeah, so I was in school. Again, I had a very more destructive um, teenage and early 20s years, a lot of, like, um, drinking and, again, bulimia, um, just a lot of destructive behavior, trying to, like, break out of the box or stay in the box, whatever I was trying to do with the the box. I'm (laughs) trying to continue with this box box. (laughs) analogy. Burn the box. Burn myself and the box. Um, And so I was in in and out of college three majors um three schools took two years off because i became a personal stylist at nordstrom and i decided to do that instead um and then realized i didn't want to go into fashion so i like had to go back and finish fashion school to like get a degree i had no idea what i wanted to do and then i um basically a lot of things just all i finally graduated from college at age 25 broke up with my boyfriend moved back in with my mom was like sleeping on her floor Started working back at the shoe store where I worked at high in high school, like all in like a month. And so it was like kind of rock bottom in my life. Um, And I, my mother and I go to this place every year called the Optimum Health Institute, which is this raw vegan cleanse place where you drink a lot of wheatgrass and get colonics and eat raw food. And it's it's like my Disneyland. I still go there um, my at least once. <laughs> hey, don't knock it till you've tried it. Um, so anyway, we had been going there for a couple years at the time. I like to go at the time because you look really good when you leave. You lose a ton of weight, but also like you just glow from the inside and outside. So I went, I would go because I like to get like cute, right? (laughs) Like that, that was my, that was, it was my, my, um, weight loss program. I was like 22 and like 130 pounds. I was, didn't need a weight loss program, but I thought I did. But anyway, so this year that everything was going wrong for me, my mom was like, Deanna, why don't you go to OHI for two weeks this year instead of just the one? Stay another week after I leave. And I was like, why not? I've got nothing else going for me. Like, I might as well stay an extra week um, to get skinnier now that I'm single. And
0: (laughs) maybe she wanted some quality time without you.
2: And so I did. um, That probably is it. And so I did. And what happened over those two weeks is nothing on in my life changed on the outside, obviously, because I was there for two weeks. How could anything change? But what happened is, is everything changed. My attitude, my outlook on life, my spirit, my I mean, mind, body, spirit, everything was just I went from I bought nothing going for me rock bottom to I bought this clean slate and the world is my oyster. And um, it was such a profound experience for me because I was raised very healthfully knowing all of these things or like being told all of these things but I still had to have this experience to actually like internalize it and like understand it. And it was so eye opening. and I was like, well, no wonder everybody's so sick and miserable. There's nobody teaching people how to be well. I mean, we're seeing that now, right? There's no, um, no one's teaching people how to be healthy. It's only about managing disease and, and um, no one's actually tr- teaching people about true holistic wellness. And I was like, that's what I need to be doing. I need to be teaching people how to be well. So long story, not so short, that catapulted me into chiropractic school, um, and I kind of, yeah. Um, and so I went to chiro- chiropractic school. I thought I was going to be a holistic nutritionist at first, which is a bad idea when you have, like, a history of eating disorders, <laughs> I think. Because like, the eating disorder still wasn't over yet. Do as I say, uh, not as I do. Exactly. <laughs> but but um, anyway, I kind of ended up in chiropractic school at a win, uh, on a whim, per suggestion of my mother's friend.
0: Um, and yeah, and the rest is history. I think it's fascinating when people talk about hitting rock bottom, that the idea of hitting rock bottom means that you've actually hit like a foundation, a very basic, like rough foundation from which to actually build up again. And for so many of us hitting that rock bottom is such a good thing to have because all of that you know, shaky building that we've been doing with no scaffolding. And, you know, there's really nothing. It's been a tenuous buildup for this whole time. And so to lay it all bare and start, um, and to make my mother proud, St. Peter is the rock of the church. It's the whole idea of building something strong. And, um, you know, so f- even faith comes into that. And, you know, the spirituality with which with which you were raised it may have been an alternative to your Judaism or to you know classic Christianity or whatever it is however it sounds like when you went to this place that you no longer felt like you were drinking the Kool-Aid that your parents had served you you were like I'm gonna I'm gonna try this Kool-Aid and I don't necessarily want to drink their flavor
2: I'm gonna make my own Kool-Aid I wanna make my own Kool-Aid And that's exactly it because it was like – it's so funny because then I became – not only did I go to chiropractic school, but I became a network chiropractor, which we'll get into. But I was actually in network chiropractic care as a baby. My first network adjustment was actually in utero, so for the first few years of my life. And I didn't go to chiropractic school to do network. I I still kind of was on the normal kick, so I was going to be a normal chiropractor, (laughs) even though I had never been under, like, aggressive force chiropractic. It was always gentle touch even after network. But – um, and it, I fought it. I didn't start. I didn't even like get into network until my sixth quarter, a year and a half in because I like network club was too weird. It was all too, And so but then it's like when I came into that and then came into like the like that was the beginning of my becoming of like the Diana that I am today. And it's like how. First of all, not only is my Kool-Aid very close to my parents Kool-Aid, but it is like weird objectively weirder than my parents (laughs) Kool-Aid but I found it was my path right so exactly I didn't and I had to and that's also part of why I know with like such conviction the things that I know it's not because I I regurgitated my parents teachings it's because I found them I learned them and Mm -hmm. I found them through my own experiences and my own studies and my own learning and so now I I know that
0: it's mine I was chatting with somebody the other day Uh, talking about, um, they were talking about their experience within a family business. And I commented that, isn't it interesting that, you know, you go through the normal like process that you're supposed to go through, right? You listen to your parents and you drink the Kool-Aid and then you reject said Kool-Aid. And then when you get older, you then figure out that actually, you know, There are some parts of this, some of the ingredients. It's quite tasty. It's quite tasty, and now I understand why they were serving it to me. However, I don't like this, and I don't like that. So I'm going to come up with my own thing. And so it's the nature and nurture, right? And so there's the how you were raised, and it's also, and then how where you want to go from there, bringing in your own true self. And I'll say one other thing about my family and my upbringing that.
2: Um, one of the, I'm, I mean, I've got the greatest family and the greatest parents ever. Um, but one of the things with all of my various rock bottoms and, and things that I've, I've experienced in my life, um, I never, I mean, I was, it, I was in some objectively very dark places in my life. I never looked at that or experienced it as that. And I always understood that it was part of my journey and it was part of making me who I was and that I was going to be okay like even if I like there's something in my subconscious and this like kind of understanding of that and that's be- definitely because of my parents because first of all I knew that they would always have my back and support me and love me and not judge me and also that's something that they taught me throughout my life is like life is perfect and everything you know the universe is divine and everything is happening as it should and as my mother says how do we know that it was supposed to happen like this because it did, and life is perfect, right and so just having that understanding that's probably like the foundation of my entire like life was knowing that and so then when I had these detours that were like less than ideal, I st- wasn't like my life is like over or poor me or well, probably there was some poor me but but oh, I, knew- I know
0: you there was definitely some poor <laughs> probably me. probably <laughs> a little
2: bit of poor me <laughs> I'm not a dramatic drinks, at all long bath.
0: <laughs> some whale songs. <laughs> A wet floor. I'm not speaking. Oh, <laughs> always a wet floor. That's
2: <laughs> One of my mother and my biggest fights was because um, I like drown her shower cap in a hotel bath bathroom because of how much water I got outside of the shower. <laughs> um, but yes. Anyway, so I'm very grateful for, for my family for always like teaching me that.
0: Well, and that's a good foundation from yeah. which to build. So exactly. And, you know, really understanding that no matter what, there's always that thing to build from. Okay, let's take a break. And then when we come back, we're going to talk about um, the difference between network chiropractic care and more traditional types, because it's fascinating. You're listening to Don't Ask Me to Talk with Stacey Heller and with my guest, Dr. Deanna Poneman of Way of Life Wellness. We'll be right back. Let's see this picture.
1: Are you stuck in a creative straitjacket, going crazy, trying to find a different way out, exhausted from trying to make old ideas feel fresh? and relevant? Popcorn and Noodle is a boutique agency that specializes in popcorning new ideas and noodling on existing ones for entrepreneurs and small businesses. Whether it's ideas about what to name a new venture, how to promote your services, or which direction to consider next, Popcorn and Noodle serves ideas that pop and stick. Don't go crazy. Go to popcornandnoodleideas.com. Creative solutions serve daily.
0: Entrepreneurs, is your why lackluster, stale, or missing for investor pitches and presentations? Do you lean on data rather than a compelling narrative to tell your story? Stories sell ideas, don't leave them out. The ability to tell your story with impact is an essential business skill. Find and finesse your story so you can finance your brand and business with Melissa Reeves, CEO of Story Fruition. Melissa teaches core storytelling elements that engage clients and investors alike. Recently, one CEO secured over $35 million in Series A funding using the StoryFurition method. Get started at StoryFruition.com.
1: Stacy Heller is many things, entertaining yet enlightening. She's a talk show host channeling her inner Fallon. Like Winston Wolfe, she's a fixer who gets things done with style. Practical, like Dr. Ruth, Stacy isn't afraid of the uncomfortable when searching for answers. She's your biggest fan and sees your potential before you do. Most of all, Stacy Heller is a synapse who can connect impulses and ideas about your business and yourself into possibility. To connect with Stacy, go to StacyConnects.com. Stacy Connects—it's her superpower. Working hard to put a smile on your face. Alternative Talk 1150.
0: Don't ask me to talk. Welcome back to the show. This is Don't ask me to talk, the show where I talk and I ask other people to talk. So before the break, we were uh, psychoanalyzing Diana. <laughs> <laughs> There's just so much this to go. Not with. even
2: the tip of the iceberg. <laughs> we need a series. We do need.
0: It'll be our spinoff. <laughs> Oh, so that could just go on to <laughs> infinity and beyond. So, um, okay. So you ended up doing network chiropractic, which is something that, as you say, had been done to you when even before you were born. And so for listeners out there, explain to them what it is. Now, I'm also going to tell you, yes. I've heard you talk about this. Take breaths. I knew she was going to tell nice me to talk slowly. Slow. I knew
2: she was going to say that.
0: People want to hear it or they don't know that they want to hear it.
2: Guys, if this is a podcast, all you have to do to understand me is just like put the uh, podcast at half speed. And oh. then I sound normal. When I listen to podcasts, I put everyone else on double speed
0: because it's the only way I can actually pay attention. OK, well, people like say my mother who's listening right now. Have you shown her how to half speed? My mother can't even turn on the TV. It's <laughs> just a button. Uh,
2: Okay, I'll try to speak slowly.
0: Excellent. But see, I
2: always forget what I'm, my brain goes too fast, so I always forget, I stumble over my words when I try to speak slowly because my brain is, I'm just too smart. And breath. Breath is for the, the, for everything else besides talking in life.
0: Well, why don't we start with fight or flight?
2: Okay, well here, I'll, this is, this is what we do, what I do. So, whereas with traditional chiropractic, they're dealing with the structure of the spine. They're dealing with the vertebrae, right? And their things are out of alignment, and they're pushing those bones back into place because, in theory, that will help realign the spine and relieve your body of pain. What we do is we go straight to the source. We deal with your spinal cord. So your central nervous system is your brain and your spinal cord. And your spinal cord is how your brain and body communicate. So, because your central nervous system controls literally everything in your body, it's like the hard drive for your body. We are nothing without our nervous central nervous system, literally. So, your nervous system has two parts. You have your fight or flight, that's the sympathetic nervous system, and then there's the rest and restore, that's the parasympathetic nervous system. So, fight or flight is supposed to kick in when we're in danger, like if we're running from a predator, or we get attacked, or um, we stop suddenly on the highway. Right. Or a little little kid runs into the street. Rest and restore is responsible for our deep sleep, our good mood, our digestion, our body's ability to heal, our immunity, our overall adaptability. And that's the key word is adaptability. And so they're mutually exclusive. When you're in fight or flight, you can't be in healing mode and vice versa. So what happens is, is that we get stuck in fight or flight, which we are not supposed to be stuck in. Um, And then all of the healing properties of our body are inhibited. So basically we have like – I'm going to mess up the number, but it's like 800 times more stressors than our great-grandparents did. Like we are so like inundated with stressors in our life that we're – that – human. I mean humanity is stuck in fight or flight, especially in our country, right? The ding of a cell phone puts us into fight or flight. The stress of just day-to-day life – things like COVID that happen. I mean, the collective consciousness with everything that's going on in the world is just in this perpetual state of survival. So even if you've got the most stress free life there is, you can't help but be inundated with stressors. Um, and so we so we get stuck in fight or flight and then all of the properties of, of that rest and restore part of our new nervous system are inhibited. So our spinal cord is stretchy. It's like a bungee cord, which is great because you can bend down and touch your toes and come back up and it it will regain shape, right? So when when we get stuck in that stress physiology, that bungee cord is pulled to tension. And so then it's kind of like having a guitar that isn't tuned properly, right? If the guitar is tuned properly, it will vibrate at the right frequency and play beautiful music. But if the strings are pulled too tight, it's just noise. So when we get stuck in fight or flight, our spinal cord is pulled too tight and then it's just sending noise signals to the rest of our body. Um, So from a structural standpoint, and this is how it tie it back to traditional chiropractic, if you imagine that your spinal cord is this pulled tight bungee cord and you've got all these bones strung along it in your back and they're out of place. If I push hard enough, I can push that bone back into place because I am stronger than your vertebrae. But what happens if you push something against a pulled tight elastic band, it's just going to pop back out, right? Or if it goes in, something else is going to have to pop out um, for it to stay there, right, for it to have space. So that's why you often hear of people going to the chiropractor twice a week for their entire life to get the same segment adjusted. That's why often chiropractors get that reputation of once I start going, I can never stop going because you get that temporary relief, but since you're not actually addressing the source of the problem, you have to keep going back to get that same relief and you're not actually getting any better. So what we do is we teach the body how to get out of fight or flight and back into healing mode. We get the flexibility back into your spinal cord and the peace and ease back into your nervous system and we create space in your body. So then not only do the bones fall back into place and stay there, Um, because our body's brilliant, our bones know where they're supposed to be, and they want to be there, but if they don't have room to get their space to stay there, there's nothing they can do about it. So the bones all realign, so you start to feel better physically, but also now you're accessing this thrival part of your nervous system, which is where we're supposed to be, and so your sleep gets better, your mood gets better, your digestion gets better, your immune system is stronger, your body's ability to heal um, and repair is stronger, and you're overall more adaptable in life. And so, um, that's what we do. And to bring it back to my own story is, um, it was from getting under network care when I was in chiropractic school. Prior to that, I was 28 years old. Um, prior to that, I still, I had gotten my life together from like the few years prior, but I still had a pretty bad eating disorder. Um, it actually kind of got worse in chiropractic school because of the stress. I was 28. I still didn't have a driver's license. Um, because I had so much anxiety in my life. I was just so like frenetic in my head. I just was, I couldn't drive. Um, I couldn't keep my room clean. I mean, I still had a lot of like fundamental, like things that were problems in my life as a 28 year old adult. Um, and when I got under network care, uh, I got my driver's license too much later. The eating disorder just kind of took care of itself without really any effort. Um, the, my room stayed clean. I was just less reactive I was, I mean, everything, basically, it, it just happened on its own because when you are in thrival mode, what happens is your body naturally rejects the strategies that are no longer serving it and starts effortlessly taking on healthier strategies. So that is, um,
0: that's what I do. I have two points to say. One, hey, listeners, did you know that somebody could talk as fast and as much as me? But not faster? I don't know.
2: Did I do a good job talking slowly? At first I was thinking about it and then I forgot to think about it. Yeah, no,
0: you did a great job. And it's what is fascinating to me. So let me, the other, my B, is let me translate for the layman. So Diana, I know from my networking group and it was like, yeah, yeah, okay. You know, I'll try this out because that's what you do. And it was fascinating when she took pictures of me, like forget even the scan thing, because I'm like, I don't know what a scan means. It means something to you, but it means nothing to me. I'm like, whatever. Uh, But the pictures where when you took a picture and you show how off kilter I am, if you look directly at me, and then you also, when I'm standing up straight and you took a side profile view, the way that I am leaning forward, like my head is out of alignment and even I have like a tilt. And what's funny about that is, by nature, when somebody says, okay, I want you to stand there and I'm going to take your picture, you're super self conscious about it. So you know you're going to be trying to stand as straight as possible because you're, I don't know, at the chiropractor. And so the fact that I could see me listing so much. And then when you did follow up, the fact that that was so much better. Now, You had asked me my goals when I came in originally, and it was better posture and a longer neck. Now, I have learned that I just don't have a long neck.
2: (laughs) But you can see more of it now that your shoulders aren't up so high. This
0: is true. So, uh, you know, it has made a world of difference. And just to, to come in and get aligned and to have that adjustment and...
2: Except it's, Stacey hasn't been to her appointment in like six weeks.
0: Okay, well, you know what, Stacey has been in Veranda Beach, and I didn't think we were gonna air our dirty laundry <laughs> on the radio. But she is one of my most loyal patients. Uh, so much so that last year, when they did the social media butterfly, I won. She did win,
2: but Pete Heller is really the prize patient. He's he doesn't <laughs> miss he doesn't miss a beat. He's Saint Peter. <laughs> He's,
0: yes. Speaking of saints, let's just take a minute to acknowledge Jason here. So Jason, I know because of Diana, he puts up with both of us, frankly. He's super handy. He is very loving and so thoughtful, like truly one of the nicest people that I know. You're welcome.
2: And Thank handsome you. and single. So any ladies... <laughs> You know where to find Stacy? She knows where to find Jason. Exactly.
0: Contact me through StacyConnects.com. That's right. Also a matchmaking service. <laughs> um well, and You would make
2: the best husband.
0: I mean, he's basically like I know cuz he's
2: basically my husband.
0: So, without all the features and benefits. <laughs> <laughs> and he's still here. Right. So that shows how loyal he is. Yes. <laughs> uh I just want to acknowledge you Jason because you are you are like that rock bottom. You are the solid foundation from which <laughs> people can Jason, build things. You are my rock bottom. No, but <laughs> but the foundation. Right. You are a foundation person. Thank you. Jason. And that is a huge gift that is uh is not everybody gets to have somebody like that in their lives. So I see you, I acknowledge you, I appreciate you. Me I too. I appreciate you. Uh-huh. I do. Jason, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so if you're curious about network chiropractic care, you can go to wayoflifewellness.com. Right? Yes, wayoflifewellness.com. And tell the tell the people what they win. Uh, if you go in for an appointment, you can try it out.
2: Yes. Yeah, so if you come in for um, a new patient appointment, it's it's two visits. The first visits are the scans that Stacy doesn't know what they are. Posture pictures we take. We take your history, I'll learn about you um, and then you get to experience uh, first your first adjustment that day and then the second visit the follow-up f- p- visit where um, I go over the scans hopefully I've gotten better at explaining them since <laughs> Stacy's since Stacy's <laughs> report of findings two years ago uh-huh. your pick we you go over all of your findings essentially and um, so yeah that's the it's usually225 dollars but for Stacy and the don't ask me to talk family. Um, I will give you guys that for that whole thing for $30 if you call in and say that you um, are calling in because you heard about this on Stacey's
0: show. I love it. Come so on, people. Best deal in the house. Right? Make me seem popular. Thank you, Deanna. Thank you, Jason, for being a guest. Thank you, Stacey. I so appreciate it. And remember, you can I see
2: you and I appreciate you. Oh,
0: thank you. Saint Stacey. <laughs> <laughs> um, next week, I am joined by Lisa Downs of Reigniting You. Thank you, Eric, as always. Have a great week, everyone. Always a pleasure. Stay connected.